your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Uh, now, uh, the Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, um, is in Limerick today. And you might think to yourself, well, hang on a minute now. Was he not just in Limerick very recently? Well, he was. He must love it here because he's back again. And he and uh, Niall Collins, who, of course, is a Limerick TD and uh, he's Minister of State for Further Education, they're opening a new NZEB and retrofit centre of excellence, uh, announcing the purchase of new training buildings for Limerick and Clare Education Training Board and and delivering capital funding for the fit-out of a refurbishment project at the Tus Kuna campus. So a lot on the agenda, and Minister Harris is on the line now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, you need to probably explain this to listeners, and maybe to me too. What is the NZEB and Retrofit Centre of Excellence? I thought you were going to ask me to explain why I was back in Limerick so soon. Well, I was, so I was tempted to, but go on. <laughs> no, no, delighted, delighted to be here again. Look, as, as, as you and your listeners will know, we have a massive body of work to do in terms of retrofit and houses right across the country, and we need an awful lot more people to be working in this area. So we're opening five retrofitting centres across the country. That's basically what they are. And we're opening today uh, one here in, in, in Limerick City. Uh, in, in, in actually with the uh, you know, listeners who know the LEDB there in Roxburgh mm. uh, in there. This is basically a facility that will have capacity in Limerick to train 1,500 people a year. And can I just say to any listeners, sometimes people think, you know, retrofitting training, is that something I have to sign up to for year, you know, years long or whatever? It actually is a training course that can be delivered in a matter of days. So if you're a, a plumber or if you're a carpenter or if you're someone who works in construction and you want to get, let's call it the green skills, you go to this centre um, for on average around three days and you can then get that the retrofitting qualification that you need to retrofit someone's home. So it's a big, big part of our climate change agenda and Limerick is going to very much be at the heart of it with the opening of the new retrofitting centre today. And then the purchase of three buildings at Mulgrave Street in the uh, city centre? Yeah, this too is important. I mean, a huge credit to Limerick and Clare ETV that they're going extremely well with the rollout of a whole range of education programmes and they sought uh, approval from my department to buy some buildings on Mulgrave Street. Uh, we've given them that approval and those buildings will now be fitted out to provide a new film and digital media centre uh, for Limerick and Clare ETV. Again, I think when we talk about education, it's really important that we talk about education in the broadest sense and providing education opportunities in the whole film and digital media space. I think really fits in with a lot of the good stuff that's going on in Limerick with Troy Studios and all of the, and all of the film production. So uh, very happy that we've been in a position to support that. And people will know TUS, um, which was Limerick Institute of Technology formerly, and they have the campus at Kuna. So what is happening there, the capital funding for a major building there? Yeah, this is going on a long time, to be honest, Joe, and I really wanted to bring a finality uh, to this. And I've been working with my colleagues, Niall Collins, but um, but also with all of our Limerick uh, TDs and senators, Kieran O'Donnell and Maria Byrne and others. Um, basically, they have huge plans to effectively deliver a massive number of apprenticeships in the Kuna campus. Um, it's going to be a multi-million euro development by September 2023, so just about, what, 12, 18 months' time, uh, you'll see the first students going there. It'll be a new engineering centre uh, for the Technological University. It means about 300 students in existing facilities will move out to this new facility, but more excitingly, uh, between four and 500 new students, extra students, uh, will be able to start. There'll be a big focus on apprenticeships, uh, apprenticeships in the whole area of precision engineering and manufacturing engineering. So again, recognising uh, that we need to really 
increase up our game, if you like, when it comes to providing construction skills. And I just want to thank um, Chus and uh, Vincent Canan, the president there, and everyone who's been working with us. This is a very, very significant investment, not just for Limerick, but actually for the Midwest in terms of apprenticeships. Nice. And uh, also, I mean, you're touching on most of the colleges. You were discussing a proposal for the new library building for Mary Immaculate College. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm nearly there on that one, but I have a, a few more weeks of work to do on it. But this is a project that we really want to get over the line. Uh, I'm very fond of the work done by Mary Immaculate College. I think it's an excellent institution. Um, but obviously their library, I, I think, was, was when their library was built, I think it was built for around 750 students from my memory now. Um, they obviously have more than 4,500 students now, so they need a new state-of-the-art library. They have very exciting plans. Um, to, deliver, to, to deliver that. They've had planning permission for a number of years. I have asked the HEA, the Higher Education Authority, to work with them to get this over the line. Very confident we will be able to provide the funding for this. It's just a little bit of tic-tacking that needs to happen now between themselves and the HEA. But I'll be meeting uh, the President, Eugene Wall, and the team in, M- in MIC today uh, to see if we can uh, all collectively put a push to get this done. Right, we're chatting to the Minister for Higher Education first thing this morning, Simon Harris. Now, speaking of third-level institutions, and I know you made certain comments when you were here last week about the University of Limerick, and I mentioned the President's dinner, and it was actually the first mm-hmm. one that Kirsten May, even though she's in office for a while, has been able to attend because uh, of something you might remember, the pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, it, it was interesting to hear discussion of the 50 years that uh, NIAG has transformed into into the University of Limerick and talk of the next 50 years. Um, uh, what context do you put all that in uh, when you consider some of the current issues that UL is facing? So I, 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 think, you, I think you were very fair in your introduction and, um, and your commentary on the, the President's dinner last Friday. I mean, the University of Limerick has been probably the most transformational thing to happen in the Midwest uh, in the last 50 years. Uh, when I go to other parts of the country and we see the delivery of new technological universities, I often say to them, your technological university has the ability to be as transformational for your region as UL has been for the Midwest. It has been a game changer in terms of access to higher education, but also in terms of linkages with industry, in terms of world-class research, uh, and, and therefore, no doubt, in terms of job creation and investment in, into, into Limerick and beyond Limerick. So, so, so that, that said, there's, there's also absolutely no doubt um, that in the past uh, an issue arose um, and the issue wasn't well handled, um, to put it mildly, um, and that, that issue needs to be worked through. But I do want to be very clear and very clear for your listeners. President Kirsten May uh, is, if I may use the phrase, the new broom in terms of leadership that has come into UL. I'm very satisfied that she's working tirelessly uh, to improve uh, the issues of the past. I'm very satisfied she's making a lot of progress in that regard. Now, my department is working with UL to, let's say, close the assurance loop. I, I believe the University of Limerick had a report done by KPMG. That report outlines the issues that needed to be addressed and the, the actions that needed to be taken. They haven't been in a position to publish that report or share it with my department yet because of a, a bit of legal wrangling, I believe. Um, so in the absence of being able to see that report, we obviously need to find another mechanism to close the reassurance loop. And I'll be talking to, to President May about that today. But look, I, I think we need to have a balanced scorecard here. The University of Limerick, only in recent weeks, we saw a survey of students, a national survey, that had the highest level of satisfaction with 85% student satisfaction. 
uh, like I say, world-class world-class research, one of the best performing universities when it comes to gender equality and females in leadership positions. So a lot of really, really good stuff going okay. on. And I'm very eager to move it to higher terrain and, and higher grade. Right. So just for clarity then, uh, Minister, you, sure. you are meeting uh, Kirsten May today. Sorry, I'm absolutely visiting the University yeah. of Limerick today. And of course, I'll be meeting the president as part of that, yes. Right. And, and do you see a, a scenario where uh, uh, an appropriate line can be drawn under this within, what, months? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Now, let, let me be clear. There's, there's different people who have different jobs to do. So the controller and order general obviously has a job to do. The public accounts committee has a job to do. And they all must do that job and be allowed to do that job. But as Minister for Further and Higher Education, I have a job to do as well. And that's the job to make sure that we can drive investment into the University of Limerick, that we can support them with very exciting capital projects that they have, and some of which you referenced in the introduction to your programme today, and, and make sure that the message goes out loudly and clearly that the University of Limerick is an exceptionally well-run university, that it has that the lessons of the past have been learnt, that there are governance, uh, robust governance structures in place, and therefore that the taxpayer can have the confidence that they and, need. I'm very satisfied we can get there, right. and I'd like to get there. And, and, and that would allow the release of the public funds that have been paused at the moment? That's my aim. So, so my message is very clear, and I'll be delivering this message today, but it, I don't think it'll come as a surprise to, to the President. Um, I want to be in a position that we can, let's say, close the assurance loop uh, and be able to release the funding. Um, in the absence of the KPMG report being provided, we need to find another way of that happening. And I'm looking forward to you all uh, discussing that with my official. Okay, and, and two other um, issues. As I mentioned or alluded to, you were Minister for Health during an extraordinary time uh, of yes. the pandemic. And we're hearing this morning about new variants of concern, which I'm sure sends a shiver down the spine of all of us. What's your assessment? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. But I, I think we also have to we also have to be truthful and honest with ourselves here. When, when COVID-19 visited our shores in, in March 2020, when I was health minister, I, I think there was a hope and expectation, not just in Ireland, but around the world, that this would be with us for a period of time and then this would move on. I think it's now clear that that's not the case. Uh, it's highly likely that COVID will be, will be here for the foreseeable future. And you will see variants, sub-variants arising from time to time. What's important, though, is that we have vaccines that work. Uh, we have vaccinations that have been transformational in terms of keeping people safe, uh, reducing death, and enabling us to all live our lives again. So I, I think, being, being very truthful with you and your listeners, Joe, I, I think COVID is going to be something we're going to be continuing to monitor for the years ahead. Um, but as long as vaccines prove effective, um, I think we can continue to. I mean, haven't we made, as a people, enormous progress in the last number of months that we're, we're, we're almost back to a degree of normality like we had before COVID? Um, and that's largely down to the huge efforts of the Irish people, but also the vaccine programme. And uh, I, this is something that will need to continue yeah. to be monitored, well, monitored closely. Yeah, and it is, I mean, are you comfortable then with, for example, I was out a bit in Limerick and Dublin over the weekend. And, mm. you know, there, there were really very, very, very few masks evident. You know, I was in you know, big shopping centres and the like. Um, is, is that the way it should be now? Is that, is that where we need to be? So, like, from, from day one in relation to this pandemic, I always said, you know, we would be at our best when we followed the public health advice. And the public health advice is quite clear now in relation to, to mask wearing, you know, that if you're in a very busy place, it might be sensible to wear it, but there's no legal requirement anymore to wear one outside of uh, healthcare settings. So, I mean, I, I think, again, unless the public health advice changes, I don't see any, any reason for uh, people's behaviour to change. Our public health officials... Um, 
seem quite content that while COVID is still with us, that we're in a very, very different space. The, the pandemic isn't over, but let's say the health emergency is over. And I think we're seeing that in terms of hospital numbers, ICU numbers, uh, fatality numbers. But we obviously all need to be vigilant. And if, you know, I, I was in a supermarket actually at the weekend and I, I noticed quite, you know, I noticed some people wearing masks, many people not wearing masks. And that, that's okay. You know, it's now down to people's individual choice and individual decision. And that's very much in line with the public health advice. Okay, and, and you don't necessarily, and I'm not asking you to be a scientist here, but you don't necessarily see these new variants of concern changing things that much. I, as of now, I don't. But as you say, I mean, we'll always be guided by expert advice on this. But, but I suppose what I do know, and I think we all know at this stage, is new variants and new subvariants are likely to be a, a feature of COVID for the time ahead. I think what scientists, not just in Ireland, but around the world, will be constantly monitoring is the effectiveness of vaccines in relation to dealing with any new variants. And once vaccines prove effective. Um, I, th- I think that's, that's right. a largely encouraging sign. Okay, finally, Minister, um, and because this is the issue other than you, the Ukraine war, which obviously people are concerned about, uh, but the big one, and one to an extent touches on the other that we're hearing all the time on the show, is the cost of living, is inflation, is a concern around what can be done to make life a bit easier? It feels almost like a double whammy when we came out of COVID and all that that, that left behind. And now we've been hit smack in the face by mm. uh, cost of living increases. Yeah, and these, these, this is very real. I mean, there isn't a, you know, there isn't, there isn't a family home in Ireland or a workplace in Ireland where people aren't discussing the real challenge of the cost of living. And it's affected people right across our country of all ages. Nobody is immune from the impact uh, of inflation. And as, as you allude to, uh, a lot of it arises from factors outside of Ireland's control, but that's not to say here in Ireland we shouldn't be and are working on policies to try and help uh, help families and help people. So you've seen some actions from government already, uh, actions in relation to the excise uh, on fuel, in relation to the energy credit to take 200 euro off people's electricity bill. You saw some uh, pretty big decisions around public transport recently where we've reduced the cost of public transport significantly, but by 50% for people under the age of 24. And I mean, what I would say to your listeners is, we will continue to be monitoring closely to see what other actions we can take. There will be new public sector pay talks uh, commencing now shortly, led by my colleague, Minister Minister McGrath. So it's, it's a balance, being honest, Joe, but we've been very honest with people um, that there isn't one lever government can pull to mitigate against the real impact of inflation and rising costs. But at the same time, that we have to constantly put ourselves under pressure uh, to come up with new ideas and more actions that we can take to support people. Okay, uh, Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, who's back in Limerick again today, uh, only with us last week. Thank you very much for all of that. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live.